0: Previously on Heavy Metal Historian we started an in-depth examination of the significance of album cover art on the genre of heavy metal. In our third chapter of the series we continue examining album cover art with a different kind of episode in which we interview artist Felipe Machado Franco who has completed some amazing work for the likes of Blind Guardian, Rage, Iron Savior, Rhapsody of Fire and more. In the discussion we explore many elements of album cover art and explore how important it is to heavy metal overall felipe was of incredible help in developing these episodes and much of what we discuss evolved into the foundation for our album cover art series and be sure to see the show notes at heavymetal666.com where you'll find a link to view much of his astonishing artwork this is episode 54 and i am greg davies your heavy metal historian Hello, hello. Hey, Greg. Hey, Felipe. How are you? Now, am I pronouncing your name right? Ah, uh, it's uh, Felipe Matado. F- Felipe. Okay, cool. All right. Um, because, um, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Of course, I'm from Australia originally, so I butcher That's a funny. lot of, I butcher a lot of pronunciations regularly, um, because hello. of differences in culture over here in the United States. Um, so where are you located?
1: I I'm, I'm, live in Bogota, Colombia. I was born here uh-huh, but I up until I was 20, 21, I lived all around the globe because my parents they used to work as diplomats for United Nations.: Oh wow must That
0: must have been like a really different kind of situation to be raised in compared Absolutely. to most other kids.
1: 12 schools all together and a lot of memories. (laughs) I'm sure, dude. What countries
0: have you been through?
1: Well, a lot. I mean, hmm. depending on on my parents' uh, job that they were doing, Uh, I was born here in Bogota, but when I was three, we were heading to Canada, staying there for two years, and then came back, and then we moved for a while to Brazil, I think, and then Italy, and at -hmm. the point when I was around 15, uh, somehow I ended up living with some uncles in California. I mean, connected to to what we're talking about, I I got into metal because my older brothers, they had, well, there's a big difference in in time of of age. My older brother is... uh, Twelve years older than me. Right. They had LPs of uh, Judas Priest, Maiden, what, what, Mortarhead, roughly. Van what, what time? What? What year was this? Roughly. Oh, uh, I was born in seventy nine. So mm. I remember. I remember my brother uh, having a copy of "Sad Wings of Destiny" for sure. Wow. And, uh, and uh, what's that um, Motorhead record that has the Feast on the cover? I don't remember. It's like a, uh, an Iron Fist. Maybe that's the
0: name, actually. I think you're right. It's Iron Fist.
1: Yeah. yeah. I have memories of... And um, there's a picture somewhere at my parents' house where I, I appear holding a copy of Somewhere in Time in my hands.
0: Mm. like. I so you're, you're you're talking around say nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty nine, roughly around that time.
1: No, even even before. Cause even before if, that. Uh, what was the year when
0: somewhere in time came out? Well, that would have been about eighty six, I would imagine, because that was just before. I want to say that was just before Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which was yes, probably, yeah. which was the Iron Maiden album that I got into, and then that came out in eighty eight. So I'm imagining your, the, the, the era that you're talking of is probably around the 85, 86 mark then.
1: Right. But yeah. my, my, talking about all this, because for my older brothers, it's, it's uh, for them somehow how is a mystery that I ended up being so into rock and metal because they, they love the classic records. Mm. But once the '80s kicked in and pop culture ca- kicked in, they were into other kinds of music. But mm, they they recall that the first, maybe the first time I pay attention to music was listening to Queen.
0: Actually, now, they're a great band, aren't they? Because they kind of bridge the gap between what you would consider to be rock and classic rock and roll, and yeah. and the beginnings of what people consider to be early heavy metal.
1: Right, and uh, I, I have strong feelings for uh, I Love uh, Kind of Magic. I love that record. Right. It's
2: a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. A kind of magic. One dream, one soul, one prize, one gold, one golden glass of what should be it's a kind of that shows the way no
0: more can win this day so F-
1: yeah F- 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 Felipe,
0: you reached out to me first online because you're an artist and you've done uh, album covers before um, what what bands have you done album covers for
1: Oh, well, uh, the most popular ones mm, surely have to be Blind Guardian, Rage, Rhapsody, Iced Earth. Those would be like the, the big ones. I've been somehow in contact a couple of times with, with probably bigger bands. I have an email I treasure from Dio telling me that maybe we could have worked at some point and then...
0: Wow! Died. What yeah, an amazing, I tried to <laughs> mm, what an amazing piece! What what an amazing piece of history to to have!
1: Yeah, but yeah. Uh, those would be. And actually, I got I got into your podcast because I had to change my phone because I was with a really really crappy uh, phone and and it didn't work anymore. So I I had to to get a new one, mm-hmm. and it came with this application which uh, will recommend podcasts. Oh, and uh, and and, you, and your podcast came as a as a recommendation when I I just uh, put metal on the search.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah.
2: So
0: yeah. thanks to my new phone, I got into your uh, podcast. Well, that's good, excellent. I'm glad I'm glad to hear it because I mean, I, I had a bit of an extended break during 2016 for numerous reasons, but I'm I'm back doing the podcast now, which I'm really happy about. And and as I was in the process of preparing the current episode that just went online uh, was when you reached out to me and made the suggestion about um, the album covers, uh, looking at heavy metal album covers specifically. And um, so so what I'm kind of um, interested in hearing from you is, especially for the listeners at least, what is the contemporary or modern procedure that Artists experience when they're offered a chance to do an album cover. I mean a lot of people seem to think that You know heavy metal artists have a complete idea as to what they want What what the album cover needs to look like, but that's not always the case Can you give us a rundown of of how the the system works for you as an artist with with heavy metal bands?
1: Well, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, it depends. And I, uh, I'm i in contact from time to time with a couple of other artists that work with the metal scene that I admire. And because of uh, uh, media, we have the chance to, to know each other and talk. I remember, okay, you have to be at some point, and from the most part, independent, because it's still, and thank God, a pretty independent structure right metal in general so i remember spending sometimes fridays where i will email 40 50 bands i would try to change the keep the same email but change the name of the band uh, just reaching out mm-hmm. having a website is critical for you to to get involved and for someone to react fast and 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 go to your link and figure out in a couple of seconds like no, this is not going to work, or maybe maybe this artist could portray what the band would like to represent visually. So that was, for many years, the basic um, structure I would use. I would reach out to bands, some will get back to me saying, no, thank you, or they're already working with someone. And someone would ask for a rate, and if it worked, it could turn into a, a commission or not. Many bands, most of the bands, uh, I know that uh, their members hold and keep the bands as as a passion project. And there's just a few bands out there that can say that they live out
0: of their production. Right. So, so what you're telling me, though, is that what I've I'd, what I'd been led to believe over the years is that the industry the way it was structured, at least from the American side of things, you would hear bands reaching out to their record labels and saying, look, we've got a new album, we need a new cover. And these these are some of the ideas we have as to what the cover should represent. And then those ideas get sent out to whatever artists they have on hand. But what you're saying is that you're bypassing that mechanism. You're actually going around and reaching out directly specifically to the bands, cutting out the middlemen completely. Is that—is that, is that, oh, yeah. is, is that a normal practice in, in uh, for artists in, involved in heavy metal?
1: Yeah, still. I, I'm pretty sure still. I mean, now I'm represented by a friend that has a company in Sweden, and we have met oh, personally just once. But he's a close friend. His company's name is um, Deep Women Management. Oh, cool. And oh. he manages... Uh, I know at least three or four of us artists and other production medias like uh, recording, mixing, and that kind of stuff. He owns a couple of record companies. And I worked for him freelance for a couple of years. And then he decided to create Deep Within Management, and he offered like an opportunity for him to represent me and to filter. If you go into my webpage, you'll notice that I, I right on the banner I let bands know that if you're interested in my work as a band. What, what is you your web,
0: what is your web page?
1: Oh, it's a mess, but if you put on Google Felipe Machado Franco, it will be the first option. It's just, it's an old story. It's still linked to the .net web of the very first band I had, and for some strange reason, I keep it. And everybody went there for, for years and years and years. So if you just Google my name, it's, yeah, I'm it's saying it's, a, it's the Thunderblast.net
0: website. Yes.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. that's the name of the band that uh, still we from time to time we rehearse and and get together, but it just it just worked for years and years and years and I kept it like that. I I own my my own name.com,
0: but somehow I this works. I mean, I no, have, if it does the trick, then 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 that's fine. I mean, like when I started heavy metal historian, I really wanted something simple like metal.com or heavy metal.com. And obviously that stuff was already taken. But the one thing that blew me away was that the domain heavy metal six 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 dot com had never been registered. So I Which took it. Awesome. I took it. It was awesome. It was an awesome opportunity. I'm looking at your artwork here and I've got to say, these are bands that I'm really familiar with. And I'm, you know, I'm just absolutely stunned. Like, there's a cognitive dissonance I'm experiencing right now because I'm looking at the cover for Beyond the Red Mirror by Blind Guardian on your website here, which is an album I've listened to I don't know how many times. It's been countless times. And I've looked at the cover frequently. And the same thing with the Rage albums that you've got listed on there as well, because I mean, I love power metal and I've got to be in a particular mind frame to to dive into it. But your artwork specifically with the the albums that you've got on your website it they match the music just perfectly i think that's what fans and bands are after when it comes to album cover art would you agree right yeah
1: totally and i can tell you one thing um i became and and he knows it uh i became obsessed with with uh, a german artist called andreas marshall he's still from time to time does work he's more into video and movie production he 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 does different different stuff and uh you know, the easiest way to, to find some of his recent work would be uh, checking out the latest Hammerfall cover artwork.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's super traditional. He, I think he uses uh, pencil drawing and probably inks. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, when I was a teenager and, and I got into power metal and, and I discovered many of these bands, then it, I, I was always into art, but at some point, I needed to look into the booklets for who was taking care of, of that vision, which was what you were talking about. Because I, I went into, into
0: his album covers, and they told stories, and
1: they would match perfectly uh, with music.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's what, Blind, he, that's what Blind Guardian does, though, really. If you look at each of their albums, that every single album is a story that they're trying to tell. And I guess, in a way, they're wanting an artist to reflect that as well. Absolutely. So, uh so I I wasn't sure, and and who could
1: ever imagine that you would have a chance or have a, a a series of decisions to 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 put you in the right track to to. If I go back to my teenage years and I tell myself that I would do covers <laughs> for this band, mm. I would believe it,
0: right? Right. But I Agree. Um, yeah.
1: But uh but somehow uh in the back of my mind I I knew I had to take a chance into this uh, media. Because one other thing that pushed me into into trying and 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 trying and trying into to get involved with the power metal scene in in Germany, I've been there only twice in my life and the last time was maybe twelve years ago. I don't speak German and I live in a country that that has a really, really small metal scene still trying to grow and not specifically into power metal. I had to try. I, I had to, to try to to get involved with with power metal from here, knowing that it was born there. And uh, and that's basically what, what happened. I uh, one band lent to another and I remember one day working for a band, maybe it was maybe it was a band from Germany called Silent Force. mm mm-hmm. And when I had to deliver the files, they would tell me, "No, no, no! You send them directly to our record company, which is AFM." And that day for me was like, "Oh my god! This is actually the first time I work with this record company. They yeah. have a bunch of records. This is awesome!" Yeah, so absolutely. One thing led to another, and one thing that happens in metal in general, and specific, especially in power metal, is that everybody knows everybody, right? Yeah, and. And everybody referenced everybody. So, so, if you are clever with your connections, uh, you eventually will work with, with more people if that's what you want.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's just, that's also um, like, even for me, like doing a little podcast like this is, is a dream come true. Because, I mean, 30 years ago, if you told me that I'd be hosting my own radio documentary show on heavy metal history, I would have called you nuts. You know, that's just not possible. But now, <laughs> In this day and age, you know we're all connected online. It just opens up so many opportunities for um, everyone in, in the metal community to be able to contribute to the community in right. some way or form. In your case, you're actually you know building yourself a business out of it with your artwork, and that I mean that's awesome. Let me ask you this though: I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of your samples here on your website. Um, what what's your what is your medium that you that you end up going for? Because I'm detecting a lot of digital work with your artwork here, does it start out as like basic sketches and then evolves into a big digital masterpiece? I mean, what's your kind of, you know, what, what, what's your uh, regiment, if you will, when it comes to creating okay, so something?
1: It has evolved over the, the last six or seven years. Cause I used to rely a lot into photography mm-hmm. and do like paint over the pictures. And, uh, and if, if you, uh, I have this uh, tendency to, if a year or two year pass that I that I see something on my website that I don't like, I just take it out. And from time to time, it's going to be harder and harder to reach out for artworks that I made a couple of years ago. I think that's 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 good in art because you have to evolve constantly. At least that's what I would like to think about it. So I used to rely a lot into photography. Most of my friends here the, the, the video game industry in Colombia started to grow in the last years a lot because of communication and everything it's it's easier to have a smaller and then bigger video game companies anywhere in the globe because we have connections so in the last years I've been involved a lot into the art production process and methods used in video game art and, and concept art for movies I could talk even more about that medium and, and, and that market. but it, It's funny, I'm, I'm not involved with it, but I, I am constantly surrounded by it. It influences your own work. Oh, absolutely, so that's, that's where, where I was going. So mm. I started learning a lot from, from artists that, that do digital art, and especially digital painting for video game production and concept design. And even at some point, like four years ago, I stopped to work for almost eight months and I went to LA to a place called CDA. And I took a bunch of classes on character design being like, yeah, like 30, 31 years old and just going into classes again and and relearning everything. And, And from that point, I... I would like to think that my style started to, to change and I had more experience like actually composing and painting and, and going back into sketching, even though if it's made on, on a digital media. So right now, what I do is, yeah, I eventually start from, from a sketch lately i've been using a couple of 3d modeling assets that i that i found out if i have a basic composition that works on 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 a tree level gray system where you have background middle ground and foreground then it's a lot of digital painting and finally at the end maybe
0: rely on some photo textures here and there just like a touch-up kind of thing so basically you start from you might start from an analog sketch or a digital sketch, depending on what the medium yes. is that you're working on, but you eventually evolve to having a full-fledged digital artwork so, put out. Yes, okay.
1: absolutely. absolutely. No, and, and Photoshop is it's such a intelligent format where you can go ahead, save a version of the artwork and keep it, go back to that thing, turn it around. It's it's just magic. It's
0: really- uh, it is. It's really good. Uh, the one thing I love about digital media now particularly, more than ever, is I can remember, and you probably could remember it too, but it was around the late 1990s that bands started to experiment with um, using digital art in their album covers And it wasn't really successful, at least from my memory, because I remember that the, there were certain limitations that we had on us as far as the technology was concerned that some of the artwork that like you're churning out today just couldn't have been done at that particular time, like say 97, 98. But bands were still trying to push for that, like, you know, digital artwork on their album covers and it just became dated really quickly, I felt.
1: Oh, absolutely. There was, and, and with all media, with movies, with comic books, with book covers, uh, there was a moment in in the early two thousands where where we would uh, digest easily any kind of digital image and, and and don't have a point of reference to think like, okay, this looks bad. Mm. But uh, with any kind of media, it happens. I mean still now, some, some things that we, we get to see on movies, I was, the other day I went to see Rogue One and it's a pretty magical movie for a Star Wars fan. I loved it. But the, the, the last character that they recreated digitally, it doesn't, no, for me it's not enough. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you one thing. One of my favorite artists still now, um, Necro Lord, Christian Wadlin, I think is his last name. I'm pretty sure he, he uses oil paint still now. And for my personal taste as a metal fan, nothing compares to his work. Oh, really? Oh, man. He, he has some amazing environments and and he tells some really cool stories with
0: his art. I'm just having a glance at some of his album covers on Wikipedia while we're talking here. Yeah, I said yeah. I'm familiar with the, with this work. Yeah, it's interesting because see, I'm looking at his approach to art in comparison to your webpage here, and like, and, and he's one that brings up interesting color schemes from from album to album, sometimes they all gel well and sometimes there's some conflicts there, but when I look at your work, I see that you're very, you seem to be very comfortable with purveying a, a, a warm colours versus cool colours atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you, it's, where it's, you have like a warm a- aspect that everybody focuses on in the artwork, but the surrounding textures are cooler kind of colours and stuff. It's a fight. It's a constant fight against
1: your mood as a person, as an artist, what the band wants, and the time. I mean, color color is a bitch. Color, in, <laughs> general, in general, in any media, it's just a, a way of life. Uh, a close friend of mine, which is a, a, a painter, oil paint, figurative painter, for many people, the best one we have in Latin America, Nicolas Uribe. He has another mindset, and he creates from color and I try to learn and learn and learn from him, but no, that's just a, it sometimes it works some some there was a moment still now sometimes that I would look with with a half closed eye my artwork and I will see the same tapestry and and I've been criticized a couple of times because of that mm. but i'm the the worst and first critic of my art the The important thing is to to understand it as, as a moment that it's gonna pass and you can learn from it actually one of the things that I going back to, to Christian's artwork probably one of the things that, that drives me to to his uh, cover artworks is how much he can uh, take out of a single color in terms of the of the gamut of, of one single color mm. and all the values and all the uh, all the planes and it, all it, the ep- he seems to ex-
0: he seems to exploit it without it seem, seeming that he exploits it in some way.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, I got it's, it's actually funny because the other day a friend we were I was talking with a friend about um, the world burning and us being able to save just one record. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and if I go back into into I, I love all kinds of music rock especially in metal, of course. But probably my favorite band, it's not even power metal. And and, and it, it doesn't exist anymore. But I was a big, big fan, and I still are a big fan of Dissection, especially the Rain Chaos album. Mm. And he used to work for them. And the, this band, you know them, right? You yeah, of course. To yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was this m- melodic death metal, but in terms of lyrics, it was a lot of black metal actually going on there and that, that record in terms of the whole complexity of the music and the theme and all the drama that goes around that band some, at some point it, it reached me and, and maybe because of dissection I, I, I discover his artworks actually. <laughs>
0: I get the feeling that a lot of, uh, at least in the modern period, that a lot of artists look at uh, other artists, both past and present, to help push their own development further.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you can drown into reference, and you can lose your time and life just googling and going into into places where you just uh, feed into reference, good or bad. But it's it's basic. It's mm. I have no memory of any artist that didn't start from from a reaction that another form of art uh, generated on him. Absolutely
0: right, Felipe. Let me ask you this: the the big question I wanted to ask you is because I'm preparing to do this episode on album cover artwork. I mean. Could you give me some artists that you think, just off the top of your head during our discussion here, that you that I should most definitely not miss out on in a single episode that will go for about an hour or so?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, in between the 15 minutes that we decided to talk, I had, uh, I, I pulled it
0: off. I was able to search into my mind and, and think, like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's the topic? Five. Okay. Well, All right. The
0: top, uh, All right. Let's. Well, let's do. Let's do a top. Uh, top five or top ten or whatever uh, that, that you want to go for.
1: Probably in a few hours when I wake up here, I'll I'll email you another few. But oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the easiest way to create a, pro- a decent timeline is just following the band. Actually. Mm. Mhm. So so, uh, at some point, I I knew the name of the artist that took care of a couple of Queen records. But uh, that's going maybe way, way back. And uh, if you go into Black Sabbath's discography, mm-hmm. they, they used a lot of photography at some point. And there's a big question that, in general, you'll have to ask yourself. Because some bands, metal bands, depending on the type of metal, will use photography or other media for their artwork. Mm-hmm. But let's just say we're talking about illustration, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath... Cover artwork was created. I'll, I'll email you uh, the names. Also, was created by an artist called Drew Struzan, also yeah, known for doing he, the covers for the posters for Star Wars. Back right? The
0: yes, I'm a big fan of Drews. Yeah, I, I love his. He did the. Um, he has done a lot of poster artwork for Star Wars-related material, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. A whole bunch. uh,
1: You have to check it out, but I'm 99% sure that Sabbath bloody Sabbath artwork was done by him. Maybe that's 77, 73 actually. Yeah, it'd be in the 70s. And then if you continue on Black Sabbath, there's a lot of graphic design and photography. So
0: He also, oh, this is interesting. I didn't realize this, but he did the album cover for Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare
1: absolutely and, and you'll have to check out who took care of heaven and hell's power the angles one that's 98 actually but for for many fans black salad might be the starting point of a couple of things so that's why i i took that road to create the timeline okay and then there's uh it's not metal but there's uh molly hatchet
0: oh come on molly hatchet's a little bit metal
1: Okay, so that's, that's <laughs>
0: probably
1: even, even farther away from, in between Queen and Black Sabbath. Yeah. There's this godfather of fantasy illustration called Frank Frazetta. Yes. And uh, his most uh, iconic character, uh, it's called the Death Dealer. Yes. So Molly Achet's first record has him and his most iconic artwork as the cover. Right. And yep, yep. from that moment on, they had a pretty cool relationship and he took care of most of his artworks.
0: Frazetta is well known in the in the fantasy community. I completely forgot that he did artwork for Molly Hatchet. That's really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. and then there probably you should jump there. When what was the year, the first year that uh, Manowar released the record?
0: Well, I don't know, but I know that uh, Ken Kelly did most of the artwork for Manowar yeah. uh, in the early days, so and, and and he originated doing. I mean, as far as I can remember, I think his first major album cover was Destroyer by Kiss.
1: Yeah so, yeah, so that's a good starting point and I'm pretty sure you have to check it out, but I, I saw an interview of him and maybe he mentioned that he helped Frank Rosetta in his workshop or something, so that would be probably a cool link.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fighting the World was the first Man of War album to feature artwork by Ken Kelly and then he would, originally, then he would move on to do for them regularly
1: right but before that there's catch the rainbow cover artwork made by him
0: catch the rainbow oh yes of course that's the uh, the rainbow album yes I'm loving this uh, this thing that we're doing yeah there has to be a book about this someday Oh, about album cover artwork. I would hope so. I mean, I, I would love for, I would love for something like a like a coffee table book, oh, uh, because man. one of the things one of the things that people forget, and, and this is probably a little snippet that we could throw into the podcast at least. One of the things that people forget, and and you would remember this because you and I are, are similar in age and and in the same generation, is the impact that the album artwork had on fans. If you had the LP, the vinyl. Oh, You had a giant piece of artwork. Sometimes you might have a gatefold and you'd have this artwork that would participate in stimulating your brain while you were listening to the album at the same time. I can't remember the last time I got lost into the artwork of a Kiss or a Dio or a Black Sabbath album while listening to it on on vinyl or even CD for crying out loud. It's so sad that in this day and age album artwork almost seems to be the the last little anecdote that you throw out with a new release, whereas yeah. really it should be a, a bit more important than that, at least it is to me from my memories.
1: No, absolutely.
0: But it was a massive thing
1: back then. But have you checked out this crazy hipster thing going on, people using metal t-shirts now because it's yes. trendy?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a frequent thing where, where some of the newer younger folks are wearing metal gear because of the, the, the artistic yeah. quality of it, which is cool from one perspective because, I mean, that's one thing that we've always known for years, right? That the, the artwork associated with heavy metal is fucking cool. You know that that's one. Of, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's like a very dark kind of doom metal, like Saint Vitus meets Trouble kind of basic yeah. thing, or minimalist piece of artwork, or whether it's the most detailed uh, surreal artwork that you would appear that you would find on, say, a Baroness album or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, You know, there's this huge range of art styles that metal fans have become accustomed to over the last 30 years or so, where we have an appreciation for art. And now what's interesting is that there's people out there finding a similar appreciation without ever listening to the bands, which from one perspective is cool, but on the other side of the coin, it's also a little, it seems a little hypocritical to heavy metal fans. Yeah, yeah. It's, a,
1: it's a, I don't know what to think about it, but uh, sometimes it makes me more sad that, than angry. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, if, if you want to see it as, a, as an echo of something that, that we all consider a popular culture, mm-hmm. nice, that's good. We're still here and we haven't been forgotten. But if it doesn't have the level of respect that we have it sucks (laughs) well yeah
0: but i mean what part of me hopes that a lot of the younger hipster folks that are are dressing up in the heavy metal t-shirts and stuff like that will use that in the same way that we did with album cover art in the sense that holy shit this album cover for seventh son of a seventh son is so awesome i have to get this album Just to hear what it sounds like. And I kind of hope that maybe the t-shirt wearing phenomenon is partially a replacement of that for younger folks in this generation, where they'll start wearing the shirts and go, this is really cool. I need to hear more about where it came from. So hopefully... I mean this is me being very optimistic of course, but I remember going through record stores and looking at an album cover and going, Man, I I gotta get my hands on this. This has to sound awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the same I mean, for me it was just the, the chance that my brothers were into rock and metal on my first years and, and I got that chance. If it wasn't for that I don't know what I would listen to now, but uh, yeah. thanks to them. And they know, we, we talk about it and they laugh about it. But uh, let's see, I, I, I would like to think that we're, we're still here for something and new bands, uh, good bands and bands that can get better as they both are born today. It's one of those music genres that, that goes on
0: somehow. Well, one of the aspects that, that comes with heavy metal, uh, you know, is the artwork, of course. And so yeah. one of the benefits that comes with that in the modern society is um, that that artwork can also be uh, sent to fans or sold to fans in the form of a poster or a T-shirt or something along those lines so that it's not just an album cover anymore. It's pervasive throughout the entire media, which I think is important. Absolutely. So what what other artists did you were you going to throw out at me there? <laughs> I
1: was thinking the Set Wings of Destiny... Artwork was created by an artist called Patrick Woodruff. Woodruff? Woodruff,
0: Woodruff. Woodruff. yeah. Woodruff, yeah. You can, mm-hmm. you can Google it out.
1: Then Judas Priest went into a lot of photography and photography production cover artworks up until "Screaming for Vengeance." By screaming, Doc, yeah, John, who? Who did that one? Doc Johnson. Doc Johnson. The, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. Now he yeah. he ended up doing a few album covers for yeah for them because he had a distinct style that seemed to match Priest really well.
1: It was almost like an industrial Russian image type of thing, it was weird. Do you know a band from Russia called Aria?
0: Yeah, I've heard of them.
1: I I have their records because a a, a guy from Russia needed a, a cover artwork and it was my only chance to have their discography, so I did the artwork. And he sent me the entire discography here into Bogota. Oh, yeah. And they, they have some similar things to, to some uh, Judas Priest artworks that you can check out. And of course, they sound a lot like Iron Maiden, like a lot.
0: Well, that's okay. Cool.
1: So, Yeah. Then there's um, uh, one of the rock stars in art covers, which is Mark Wilkinson, Marillion, Fish, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Right. You, you, you know
0: him, right? Mark Wilkinson. I know the name. I'm trying to find right. his page on Wikipedia here so that I can... No, that's not him. Right, okay. I, I know, yes, I know who you're talking about now. This is the guy that, that took on the Judas Priest albums later on, with, with, starting with Ram It Down. Yeah, and all yeah. the way to Painkiller. Yeah.
1: And even uh, Yuga later, I think, probably.
0: Yeah, he did the last album cover too, "Redeemer of Souls." Oh yeah, yeah, which is
1: an amazing record. Oh, yeah, could...
0: it's a good record. It's a good one, to... and the album cover artwork is great too. Yeah, yeah.
1: Then we have to talk. You have to talk about Derek Riggs, Iron Maiden. Oh, of
0: course, yes. Yeah. And then
1: there's Joe Petagno, Motorhead artist for most of the records. Yes. And... and then he went to do a bunch of stuff for death metal and black metal bands. Probably in my top three
0: favorite cover artists, in my point of view. And and Derek. Riggs, that's... in particular, is. I mean, we can't we can't walk away from this conversation without having a having a chat about Riggs because I mean his his artwork really. Oh. I, I, if if there was one artist, I think that really personifies heavy metal, the one artist that they would go to would be the one that did the first. Iron Maiden album cover because it's just so Oh it, it's iconic. Absolutely. You know? When the stories
1: around him you know I, I, I missed a chance to, to see him at a comic book convention in LA just oh, because right, I didn't yeah. know. Well that's sad. But and he, he lives pretty nearby a friend of mine every time I go to visit LA I just walk around like hoping to see him someday and just say hi.
0: You know, the thing that strikes me the most, what was most important about Derek Riggs' work with Iron Maiden was their establishment of Eddie the Head, the, the, the character of Eddie the Ed, um, yeah. which was originally just this mask face that they used to have on stage in the very, very early days. And Riggs refined it. It turned it into, like, that zombie creature thing that we all know and love as Eddie the Ed. And... Uh, one thing that I think can't be underestimated about Riggs's work is that he was really one of the first in collaborating with a metal band that created the concept of having a regular mascot on the uh, album covers.
1: Yeah, that's that's a key moment to to understand what uh, iconography will mean uh, even today in terms of many heavy metal bands. Mm. It's just the, the having, having, yeah, characterizing the emotion of the music and the storytelling and all of that. Then I was thinking about the artist that took care of many iconic Megadeth artworks, Edward J. Repka. And he, he, I'm, I'm checking out his Google Images, not only Megadeth, a bunch of American death metal bands
0: for sure. He did p cells is that right
1: Yeah that's yep. him
0: Yeah He also, cre- he, uh, I think he was the first to do Vic Rattlehead in an art piece of artwork. And uh, yeah, and then, and then of course he moved on to do further album albums for them. Yeah. And
1: he still does uh, cover artwork, which is pretty cool. It pretty distinct style. A lot of it, from my point of view, linked into comic book covers. And I wouldn't be surprised to know if he... Does comic book stuff also because it's around that that
0: type of style? Yes. Uh, well, see, he he established himself very firmly in the thrash move, and so now bands like Municipal Waste use him for oh, yeah. their artwork yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was also well known for uh, creating the character of Uncle Slam for the right. crossover thrash band Uncle Slam um, yes. on the album "Will Work for Food." Uh, oh, it's. <laughs> He's a great artist. He's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Now, there's another, another, another art scene that I don't know much about, but I can tell you that inside the death metal and black metal uh, market, there are some big names that I I would like to to know them by memory. Some crazy artwork, like like super intense. Uh, for for example, that. Some of the artists taking care of uh Cannibal Corpse art,
0: Mm yeah,
1: some crazy, crazy stuff like horror stuff. I, I I'm pretty sure it's easy to Google them. But oh, yeah, uh But an absolutely. easy way to to track down this this timeline is to to follow the bands actually.
0: Yeah, like, Google- like yeah, yeah. I I think you're you're right there. I think. But there's also several, I mean, especially with Cannibal Corpse, for example, I mean, really what that was the beginning of was the beginning of shock in the terms of what artwork they provided. So, like, the artwork that was provided for Butchered at Birth by, you know, Cannibal Corpse, which is like 1991, is kind of tame now by horror standards. I mean, it's still shocking in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, when it came out, nobody had thought that anything worse could come out. And then Carcass come out with an album that was just made <laughs> up of a, 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 of like a collage of pictures cut out from, from anatomy textbooks yeah. of, of body parts and stuff. And it was there, like, Whoa, what is going on here? That's fucking intense, dude. There was a, a an, an,
1: album cover for a band called, um, black metal band from Florida. Um, uh, i'll remember the name it's just this uh this uh it's christ uh dissection basically oh di-
0: you're thinking of die yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah uh, oh, i think man. what is the name of that album it's let me look it up real quick i it's i think it's, it's uh, i'm pretty sure it's, it's once upon a cross not the messiah no no you're not Is. Right. The original artwork that came out for that was a disemboweled price, and uh, the artwork was so well, it, it was Roadrunner Records were not ready to release it like that. Even though, I mean, they had supported all kinds of crazy artwork from a lot of metal bands, but that was something that even they were just weren't willing to put out. Yeah. As, as the album cover I mean that could probably do you know get away with it now but you know it just it, in the 90s it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have flown at all Absolutely, you know but a lot of those death metal bands were doing a lot of crazy things during the during the 90s just to just to get a reaction out of people and then when black metal came up black metal, um, especially after the Norwegian black metal movement, was less about shocking people with the artwork, but if you look at a lot of the early Norwegian black metal artwork, it seems to me that it was less about minimalization and more about stepping back to like the homemade do-it-yourself hardcore punk thing. I I look at some of those album covers like uh, by Darkthrone and Burzuma, and I feel like This looks like a picture that's been photocopied three times or something. (laughs) You know, it it just has that flavor to it, but it suits the music. That's the thing that makes it work really well. Uh, And, of course, now black metal is like over-the-top theatrical stuff. So, you know, it's less about shocking people, but rather more about pushing out a particular aura or feel or taste to go along with the art and the music. I know. Um,
1: I I used to like the battery... Bathory, was the name of that? They used, they used like, really old sections of paintings. That was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, Bathory were very good like that, and they also stayed very close to trying to be as traditional as possible with their album covers. Yeah. But I think it was really important for them. I mean, even going with the script that they used for their logo, I think that was very important for them. It, oh, cer- it well, certainly set their stage for their career, that's for sure.
1: They had some really, really cool records. Yeah, so, well, uh, that's the 90s. And in Germany, the big name, as I mentioned to you from my perspective, is, or back then was Andreas Marshall. You can, I can tell you, eight out of ten power metal or heavy metal records from Germany back then will have a rec, uh, uh, an artwork like him. But he would also work for bands like, uh, let me... Let
0: me make sure. I've got his list up here. He's done Gravedigger, Hammerfall, Halloween, Immolation, In Flames, King Diamond.
1: Creator.
0: Yeah, man. He's done Obituary too, which is really... old now, this is interesting. He did the artwork for the most recent Obituary album, which is called Inked in Blood. It's a great piece of art. It's fantastic. It's horror. It's death metal-esque. But the album was actually crowdfunded by Obituary. They released this uh, independently and then got a distribution deal with Relapse Records. And wow. it was the it it actually charted in the Billboard 200 for them. It was like their most successful album release of all time.
1: Wow. Yeah. You see, the industry.
0: Where's the industry right now? That's yeah. my question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great set of artwork here that that uh, that, have, that Andreas has I have done heard
1: already a couple of times for bands that uh, they will ask me a budget and they will include it under uh, Kickstarter campaign. Uh-huh. That that's happened a couple
0: of times now,
1: which is okay. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just another media.
0: The vocalist for uh, Baroness oh, yes. does amazing art Yeah, it's amazing. such it's very interesting because. He has brought to the scene a particular flavor of artwork that I can't think of ever seeing an example of before.
1: about that, they played last year here in at a big festival, and and uh, my wife, she she had no idea about it, the band, and I was like, let's go check them out, mm. and mm-hmm. of course we talk about the art. This is my point of view. I think it's a new wave of art nouveau. Mm. It has a little bit of art nouveau on the on the way he composes. He uses line, color, ornaments. Amazing artist. Really cool stuff.
0: There's a little bit of uh, little bit of surrealism with his iconography that he uses in his album covers like the, the last album I think it's got a couple of hounds and a kangaroo on it somewhere that just don't <laughs> seem to fit into place if you, if you hear me say that but when you look at the album cover it's like no no well, that makes sense it fits in it just it's just something about the guy's artwork that works well for the, those album covers uh, that I thought was very important. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I, to be honest, I think it's probably the most distinct style of artwork we've seen in heavy metal, at least since the 1990s death metal horror scene.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And if we go back to the 90s. If Andres Marshall was was uh, taking care of many of the images that will connect to power metal or heavy metal in Europe in the States, I think Travis Smith was also doing and still does a bunch of pretty cool stuff. I, I'm pretty sure he's from the
0: States. Do you know his is it, work? Who, who is that, Travis who? Travis Smith. Oh, Travis Smith?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, yes, Avenged Sevenfold and all that, Overkill. Opeth, also a, a lot of work. Death, he used to work for Death. Nevermore. Yeah, he just did the most recent Opeth album as well. He's done a lot of work for Opeth, actually that's one band i think has been very underrated in the scene like they just they've done a few oh,
2: really a few. great I albums see, okay. recently
0: um
1: talking about overkill
0: yeah like their new mm-hmm. mu- the music has been just absolutely phenomenal this the last few years they've really i mean they've reached a particular peak that i don't think they could have reached in the 80s when they started You know, they're just one of those bands that just keeps getting better when they get older and only, like, the metal fans know about them, which is really strange, you know. Um, But, yeah, the artwork that they've put out over the years has always been, you know, been consistent with the music as well. It just suits the album. It fits the album. It fits the feel. It fits the style. You know, I think it's really good. I feel the same thing with,
1: with Asept, with the new Asept, with Tornillo singing. Oh, yes. I don't know about you but I I have enjoyed a lot their latest records.
0: Yeah, I like them all. Um I, I, I like all aspects of of Except. I think they've they've been through a lot of different lineup changes of course, but uh their sound is, has been you know ever evolving, but they they always say, stay true to themselves. They're always it's kind of like when you want to put on an accept an accept album, you know you're going to be listening to their sound and their style. It's like ACDC. You know you you know what you're in for if you're yeah. going to listen to ACDC. You know that you know that with accept as well. You know there's a, there's a particular line in the sand that they've drawn, and that's where their little box is, and that's where they are. Absolutely. Mm. And it's, it's,
1: yeah, absolutely. There's three other names that come to mind that are doing a lot of work. Since the 90s, people that I, I look up to and that I admire a lot, one is Gyula Habansak. It's him. Oh, God, There's is that, is that Hungarian?
0: Called... It must be a Hungarian name. It looks like it. I'll have to check, but... Uh, it is. He, he's from Hungary. Okay. Amazing artist. Really, really cool stuff.
1: He has a band also. I don't remember the name of the band right now, but... uh.
0: He looks like he's been in a few. Uh, he's a bassist.
1: Yeah, so he works for Annihilator and uh, Grave Digger, Stratovarius, Destruction.
0: Oh, okay, I see his list here. Okay, I'm looking at another tab on Encyclopedia Metallica. immersed into it okay let's take a look at one of my well there's an upcoming album with the uh, gravedigger got to love their yeah. album covers they're always great yeah now that, that one looks great then you should have a look at the the new cover for the new gravedigger album which comes out next week it's called healed by metal
1: yeah it's I, I such a good piece
0: it. of art it's just it, it's metal all the way through balls to bones I saw them, I went to see Blind Guardian on their latest tour on
1: this past uh, October in LA, and they were
0: opening for Blind Guardian. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Amazing band, I mean, they, yeah. So when you you go and see the bands that you've done artwork for, do you get a chance to meet with the bands?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah. In general, in general, I do. That day I met up, of course, with Line Guardian, Mm. because I'm a close friend with with Hansi. We have a a really good communication and a lot of things in common when when we talk. When, When I scat with him to do some work for the band, we could be talking about books and movies and stuff for an hour. And after that hour, he would be like, "Okay, let's talk about the artwork. Uh, that type of...
0: Thing. Hey man, that's cool though. I mean, that, that, that shows that there's other common ground around
1: the heavy oh. metal
0: love, you know. It's, it's It just helps develop that relationship even further, you know.
1: And then there's this band from LA called um, Hellsot, Viking Metal. Some of their members were also at the show, so it was, it was, it was nice because I was able to go backstage to talk to the big, big band and also just meet up with the other guys uh, and be part of the of the story that they are starting somehow. It was well, that's nice. cool.
0: That's cool. And it, and do you kind of like, hey man, here's my USB drive or here's a sample of my work or <laughs> do, you, do you do that or do you just now exclusively go through your management and stuff like that?
1: Depending depending on on the band that I would that I would see that I know that it's gonna be at at a possible show, I will have. A personal card like like something I will for example I'm gonna attempt the 70,000 tons of metal for this first time this month hmm and uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring some stuff because if it's a chance why not take advantage of it right and
0: okay now this is the this is the heavy metal cruise yes 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 of let's take a look friends. at the lineup let's take a look at the lineup this year so wow Holy crap, there's so many that they're listing them alphabetically. Uh, <laughs> let's take a look at this. Okay, Amaranth, Amorphous, Annihilator, Anthrax. Anthrax, incidentally enough, now that, I'm, now that I mention their name, they, they've only just recently... I mean, they've always had great album covers, but they've only just recently stepped into using some really epic artwork on their albums, specifically using the artwork of Alex Ross, who is mostly known as a comic book artist. But the stuff that he has done for Anthrax, holy shit, man, that stuff just pops on the album cover. There's something about that guy's artwork. I don't know if you're familiar with his previous stuff, but he used to do a lot of stuff for DC, like Superman and Batman and Marvel, like Spider-Man and stuff like that. And it's all it's it's all inked it's it's all painted artwork it's not just like your traditional comic book ink it is like an epic painting
1: No, it, uh, I, I I attended the New York Comic Con also in October because I, I I went to to late see Blind Garden and say hi to a friend and then from there I went to New York to say hi to another friend yep. and attend attend New York Comic Con and uh, he has his own booth not the size of the Marvel uh, area but he has he's a um, he's he's a brand he's mm-hmm. his own. Thing. He he sells his his originals. He still does work for for the big companies, but he is a, a, his own business. I mean, he had a pretty cool spot at the convention, and yeah. he had a couple of originals. And his watercolors
0: are just amazing. Oh, I'm sure they are. I mean, he's just he's very talented. It's he's kind of for me. He's up there with the likes of Dave Dorman and Drew Sturzen. Those kind of guys that have been around for a while where they've actually because of the work they've created their own, as you said, their own brand. Um, Absolutely. you know, but now he's able to go out and beyond that of comic books and he has an appeal to anthrax of all people. It's just such an amazing connection there. Wow, this is a whole huge list of bands here. It's like you're giving there are
1: other other two contemporary names that maybe you wanna check out. I'll I'll send it on the chat. One is Thomas, Thomas Everhart and then there's this amazing Brazilian artist a friend of mine called Gustavo Sassés Gustavo is from my point of view just one of the biggest artists in heavy metal in general now in the beginning, and he knows, we talk about it I, I in the beginning I had the feeling he looked a lot to Travis Smith type of art and mm-hmm. as the year passed he he found his own voice and and right now you will see a lot of his artwork coming out from from what's going on with, with metal in general now like...
0: I'm not finding Thomas his... Everhart here I'm, lo- I'm trying to look up his stuff sometimes it's hard to find
2: Man, Which it's strange.
0: it shouldn't be hard to find. I mean, the, what I'm learning very quickly here in our discussion here is that artists are not getting the amount of credit they deserve. You if, think so? Oh no, not at all. I mean, it's just it shouldn't be this hard to. I mean, I'm looking at a, a, a Wikipedia entry here for one of the Avantasia al- um, albums, and it doesn't even mention anywhere who did the album cover at all. I don't exist in, in the Wikipedia, but. Uh...
1: I'm cool with it. I don't know. It's okay. I mean, but there's, I mean, in terms of, from my point of view, I can tell you that, and I understand it as a fan. My, my way of, of, of looking at the reaction from fans when, for example, Blind Guardian publishes an artwork I have created, uh, I would say that sometimes 50% love it and other 50% percent want to hunt me down uh. it's this
2: <laughs> passionate
1: passionate driven thing that it's just like it's for some people it's so personal it's like digging into their personal lives and just messing it up and i used to to, to look at the comments and in the beginning it would be a little hard
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i thought dude it's just it's just the cover okay i um, uh, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. So okay, that's it. But uh, some people are super passionate about.
0: But isn't that the best thing about metal, though? I mean, even if somebody, I mean, even if somebody explicitly says that they weren't happy with your artwork, at least you're getting the reaction from someone. Like, you're yeah, at, least, at least you're yeah. getting the feedback from someone.
1: But, um, but you can't I, please
0: everyone, Felipe. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I mean, even with doing little podcasts like I do, like with the heavy metal historian, like not all of them are zingers, you know. <laughs> some of them, do, some of them don't pan out the way that I hope for them to pan out. But you know, it's just a, it's a different type of art, I guess. Yeah,
1: I'll make sure I find the right thing and, and send it to you. Yeah, that'll be Facebook. cool. That'd be cool. Were you able to check Gustavo's? Art yes, Gustavo's yes, I did. I
0: found a link for him at uh, Encyclopedia Metalum. Uh, he's a musician as well, apparently. So, yeah, a yeah.
1: really cool guy. He's from Brazil, and um, it's another type of, of. He 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 uses a lot of photography also, but he's he has a really distinct, nice style. And of course, I I might be forgetting a couple. I'm trying to remember the name of the of the artist taking care of the Sabaton latest artworks, which is also contemporary.
0: Yeah, now, Sab- the... Sabaton. That's another band that that they appeared in the '90s, I want to say, and it's only really now that they're starting to get the attention they deserve. I Absolutely. Think. Yeah. yeah.
1: Position from Powerwolf takes is an artist and takes care of their own art. Okay.
0: Oh, that's an interesting group too. I, I like their image. I, I love their shock rock image that they're mixing with the whole power metal sound. It's so different, yeah. yeah.
1: So one, you know, here back home, that well, I, I work doing like my my cover artworks and that stuff. But I I teach a couple of digital illustration classes at the faculty where I studied visual arts. Oh, cool. And because being involved with that academic thing, I started a little a little uh, studio called Blanc Atelier here. And we, one of the things we do is that we bring in uh, twice a year an artist mostly working on video games and movies to do two or three days workshops here. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly learning because uh, new stuff, because we have brought a couple of people that work at Sony santa monica and naughty dog and and some big names in that market but one one dream i have someday is to create an event where we could gather most of
0: these artists that we talk about like like a heavy metal art convention or something exactly some nights i dream about that thing
1: i don't know if there would be ego in some corners, I don't care, but just doing it once, just like gathering.
0: I, I think I don't think there's ever been a heavy metal convention. Actually, come to think of it, we should probably invent that. Hey, you know, it, it's it. I mean, it's a possibility. It could be done. It's it's. it's you could probably have it so that you've got guests such as local bands and, and maybe, you you know, if it gets big enough, you can get bigger bands to show up as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: I'm, I, I, yeah, it could be many things because a lot of, of things surround metal in general. And, of course, there's the festivals and, and that's the main thing. I've been going to, to a couple of, of uh, workshops and events involving uh, video games and movies and and, so, and at some point I thought, dude, if we could get together, there were Reeks and Pitagno and anyone who's doing it and it's alive and and the new generation. I would like to think I'm part of and and that I follow just for two days at some town and just paint, talk and and know each other. That would be the coolest thing ever. Well,
0: absolutely, and you could also do like. You know, shit. You could do artwork uh, workshops and stuff like that with yeah. the, you yeah. know, the fans that are coming through and so on. You know, there's so yeah. many. There's, so there's
1: show, show process and stuff, mm. and and maybe have little art shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that. There's there's this uh, really cool guy in, on Facebook that has a blog called. Um, you should check him out. Uh, Justice for Art. He's published a couple of books about cover artworks. Ramon Oscuro. And you'll notice that he... Last year, there weren't, from my perspective, that many amount of posts as years before, but he, would, he concentrates on showing, on showing heavy metal art in general. So he could be an interesting uh, reference for you. <laughs> he would do this really funny thing that I found hilarious, which is uh he used to do it on Fridays, I think. He will publish metal artworks that are quite similar from each other, which can happen a lot. Right, right. There's definitely a specific type of iconography going on with with heavy metal art. Oh he did a a similar kind of thing with the new deep purple Infinite Artwork and Devin Townsend's project, Epic Cloud, and also with Metallica's Hardwire and uh,
0: Crowbar's album. Uh, so I just, I just, I literally just came across the Devin Townsend versus Deep Purple
2: <laughs>
0: album cover comparison, yeah.
1: He mentioned at some point that he's thinking about publishing a second book and he he invited me. Of course I have to make sure to to uh, to, uh, to have like a document where the bands or companies that I've worked for uh, give him the rights to involve the artworks because many, most of the times if not all of them when when I uh, I'm hired for for an artwork like this. As I deliver, as I receive my 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 fee, my payment, because of the contract, normally it's stated that that artwork is exclusive for that band until the end of days.
0: Which is okay. I think it's it's a so romantic. Well, that's that's the way it works, right? I mean, you get yeah. paid your fee, but that belongs to them. You still get credit for doing the artwork, of course, but. That's a part of their catalog now.
1: Yeah, and it's mm. their iconography more than that. It's like their image, their cover. So, with, with a couple of bands, it's it's easier to, to do that kind of stuff for me, but with others, it's a little bit hard. And I'm doing my best to somehow help him. Of course, he's mm. mainly interested in the stuff I've done for Blind Guardian and, and Rhapsody. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. But, but I haven't found a book that uh, deals with, with the first part of our conversation, which is, you know, Drew Struzan, Doug Johnson, Wilkinson, Forseta, right. Ken
0: Carrey. Let me ask you this, though. There's a couple more questions that come to mind for me. If you think of the world as it was before Black Sabbath, before heavy metal came to be out of the albums that came out before black sabbath can you think of one or two that stand out for you that may have been an influence on heavy metal overall that's an amazing question are we talking about rock in general yeah rock in general like anything pre-black sabbath like 60s 1960s if you will
1: yes but uh that's I will have to, to to go into a little rock timeline and rediscover. Well, that's a cool that's a cool point of reference. Let me let me do a little homework and I'll get yeah sure. You. I mean
0: it's it'd be interesting to see you know if if there's anything that stands out to you. I mean for me I, I would think of something like um, the album cover to. Uh, Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band would probably be a big influence on pop culture in general. So no doubt that would have had some influence on heavy metal. But I, I think uh, groups like uh, Pink Floyd and Frank Zappa and maybe even uh, Captain Beefheart might have had some album covers that would have been a bit more of an influence towards the- those early heavy metal bands. I think has some amazing stuff. Yeah, I'm
1: checking their basic discography, and there's some crazy art there.
0: Right, right. And the other question I have for you is like, what's your dream gig? Like right now, who, if you could pick, say, two bands, two names of bands out of the out of your head that are bands that you would, it would be a dream come true for you to do a piece of artwork for them who would those two bands be? Motorhead and Dio. So I'm fucked. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Well, no, that's not necessarily true, because remember, they just recently, a few years ago, they put out that Dio tribute album, and they had a new artist come in and do that. And that 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 was an official Dio release that was actually sanctioned by Wendy Dio. I don't care, it's not the same. It's not the same, I know, yeah, it's not the same.
2: (laughs)
1: I used to have um, a wish list, you know, when I was at school. I can tell you one thing from, from all this journey, uh, I love to work with a band that, that makes part of my history. I'm not going to lie to you, if I ever got a chance to do some stuff for Halloween or Gamma Ray, uh,
0: I, will, I will be, my mindset will be crazy. But yeah, you'd be a little little bit starstruck, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. And,
1: uh, <laughs> but, uh, but one of the most cool things that could happen to me that I have come to value is to be the guy that takes care of the cover artwork for the first record of a band that starts and having, doing the journey with them.
0: Oh, I see. So you you would love an opportunity to find a band that's just starting out and, and be their artist, if you will. Yeah, for, for no, the...
1: and, and letting that let that discovery happen and, and, and a couple of times it, it has happened that some years pass and the bands go on and, and we create a relationship and 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 I can say hey I'm their Little Derek Riggs like yeah, from that, the book person. That'd, cool.
0: that'd be cool, yeah. yeah.
1: There's this band from Spain that has the sing the new singer for the new version of Rainbow. The band is called Lords of Black. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would like to think that's that's something that happens with them. Some of their members used to be part of a Spanish band called Saratoga, right? And then they started uh, Lords of Black, and it's those you know, two albums so far. But there's a little iconography going on there that uh, they give me a level of freedom and that kind of thing. Like like being part of the story of the band is as cool and 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 as joyful as. Getting an email from a big band for the first time—absolutely. Well, cool, I don't. Huh? I, I don't. I don't hunt down many bands now. And as I told you, the people that represent me help me find stuff. And but it, it, it came a point when I started working with iced to Earth and uh, and Blind Guardian and Rage, where I, I, in many ways, I filled up the adolescent cup that was for me to fight for my need to get involved into power metal uh the my my very first project and an idea for a lifestyle was to to create not the colombian Halloween but at least the the colombian angra and angra being from brazil was so close to to us to me and being like seventeen or eighteen, I thought this guys from Brazil, which is like two hours, three hours from here, on a plane, are recording at Kai Hansen Studio. I can do the same thing, but it's not that easy because, in terms of a band, you need at least three friends. I was singing in the band, and 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 we we tried as we could, but of course, being young you don't know shit so, right. so you don't know what steps to take or how to how to properly use the reference that you see from from other bands. And when I I, 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 I hit that wall and I realized that I was not living in Hamburg. Uh, i I started thinking about other ways to get involved with power metal. Because I still love power metal and, and back then it was the big obsession, and I was already into art, studying art, and I thought maybe doing. We all have emails at that point, mm-hmm. and websites. Maybe maybe I can get involved with them as an artist, and that's what happened. So when I when I when I reached when when I started working and talking with bands like Rage and Blind Guardian and and, and Rhapsody, I understood that I was talking to normal people like myself yeah. but just just right. were at the right <clears throat> moment in terms of the music industry and making music at the right place that was all but yeah. I was also at the right place in terms of being an artist so I came to peace with, with that version of of how to be part of the metal scene but it came years later when when I I came to be grateful about the chance that I've had as a as an illustrator and an artist, and not necessarily as a musician.
0: Well, man, I've got to tell you, Felipe. I mean, I, I've been. I mean, I, <clears throat> until you reached out to me, I wasn't exactly sure that you were the person that did the artwork to that Blind Guardian album. But uh, you know, there it is, larger than life on your web The you know the cover for Beyond the Red Mirror. I can't tell you the amount of times I've like glared and, and stared at that cover while listening to that album. You know, it's it's just. It's wonderful to make that connection with, with another artist online uh who's contributing in some way or form to a really big part of the heavy metal movement and, and I think it's fantastic what you're doing. Let, let me ask you this though. You. Uh, there's there's one question I do have. You did an album cover for Brainstorm, the Fire Soul album? Yes.
1: Listen.
0: Is that that woman that's on the cover, is she loosely modelled after Debbie Harry? I don't know. Let uh, me. Who's Debbie Harry? Deb- now Deb- I have Debbie ha- to check out. Debbie Harry was the lead singer for Blondie. I don't uh, know if you... He, he, I, I, no. can, it reminded me, uh, I looked at that artwork that you, that you had there and, and Something about that face and the blonde hair just reminded me of of uh, Debbie Harry from Blondie in those early days that she she was singing. It just it had very right. Yeah. Similar likeness.
1: Did she did she use also the name Blondie as her artist yeah, name? Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: No, I, I never thought about that, but uh, I mean, she's she's still alive. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, she's a goddess, man. She's still around. I mean. It's interesting though. If, if uh, there's a lot of bands like like Blondie that came out, like uh, Talking Heads came out around the same time, and they were all originally considered punk rock when they first uh, came they, out. Yeah. No, so. <laughs> there's
1: the she was not a reference. It, yeah. There was in terms of the looks of that character, we went around a couple of times because of the features. And oh, okay. I used to reference a couple of pictures of of, of a model and. In the very rough stages of that cover, I did some paintovers over the actual face of the of the person that helped me with the pose. Mm. Uh, uh, but at some point the, the, the band started going around like could you could you make her more similar to the this person or these features? And we went around for a couple of days, maybe even a few weeks on her on her face. But uh, now I'm gonna look at, at, at a debbie
0: every time i look at the cover thank you <laughs> i'm sorry i shouldn't have said anything but it just it reminded me i was like man that looks a little like debbie harry there it's just oh, you know i just it was very curious about that is all so man i gotta tell you it's been an absolute blast having a chat with you felipe and uh, i also want to mention to you as well like one of the most over at least one of the bands that i feel is most overlooked in power metal or heavy metal in general is iron savior and I'm so happy that, that you had an opportunity to work with them and get some album cover, uh, an album artwork done for them, uh, because I've always felt that they have, they're, they're one of those bands out there that have a lot of greater potential, but they just frequently get overlooked. Uh, by no, the, you it's, know, it's, yeah, and, you know, so.
1: Sometimes my, my relationship with, with Pete, the singer, it's as close as, as the one I have with, with Hansi. Mm. I, I get a lot of freedom from, from Blind Guardian in terms of uh, of what I come up with, the artworks. They will give me some signs and the name of the album will direct some stuff and they will give me some, some, some art direction that I will follow to start. With Iron Savior is super, super funny because it's probably the only band that I get to listen pre-production a few months before.
2: Oh, nice. This is the level
1: of confidence and respect we have with people. Right. I will... I would read the lyrics. Sometimes I will give him little notes. We will talk about the themes. I am not saying that I get involved into the the, the storyline production, but I have these amazing conversations with Pete about the, the 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 narrative. And then he has so much confidence in me and I'm such a huge fan of the band mm-hmm. that uh, it's free will all the way. That's wonderful. I mean, there's corrections and adjustments and stuff, but I can tell you that ninety percent of what I have done for his covers is just
0: me trying to think that it's my band. That all but yeah. Well I mean Super it's cool. also yeah. it's also I mean that that kind of relationship uh, that's also very similar to uh, Derek Riggs who we were talking about earlier with his relationship with Iron Maiden, um you know, there's a natural evolution there of trust, but there's also there's an element there that I'm seem to be detecting from you that, that you're part of the artistic evolution of the creation of the album. Like you might not necessarily have too much impact on the storyline per se, or the narrative if you will, but you most certainly have an influence of how the image of the album cover will look like and how it ties into the story that these guys are trying to tell.
1: That's the dream job actually to to get involved in that way yeah
0: think a lot of people thrive not only on not just on the arts the the generation of whatever art they're doing is concerned uh i think there's a there's a there's a desire for collaboration
1: absolutely and hey i I gotta tell you when i found out that
0: that, uh, you're doing
1: the podcast and and you're recollecting this timeline and you're the actual name of your podcast is it's so clever because at least from my point of view, I know there's there's books out there about heavy metal, and there's some some stuff being done in terms of, of recognizing the cultural move, movement. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it it's it's been super fun listening to your podcast and and, and knowing that uh, the people like you are taking care of laying down this this
0: kind of history book about yeah about. The movement well thank you i appreciate that yeah. i think that what's most important about what i think what i'm at least trying to to accomplish with heavy metal historian is something that not a lot of podcasters do in so far as most podcasts are real-time elements they're 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 very much fresh as soon as they've come out but once they've been online for a couple of weeks they're already outdated a bit and so what my goal is with each episode is to have some kind of standalone time capsule so that, you know, somebody discovering Heavy Metal Historian tomorrow can still go back to episode three and listen to it and enjoy it and get something out of it. You know, and that gives me a chance to like, you know, have a few weeks off and, and come up with another episode that's also like a standalone little time capsule that people can... Grab it and and learn about and, and experience and then you know there's other episodes that they can move on with. So in other words, like every episode, never goes stale.
1: The research that you that you do the the first one I, I listened to of course was the one related to power metal. yeah and uh, and when when you started and from the very beginning you you recalled and you mentioned running wild. yes yes this this, this dude. He knows his shit. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna listen to this thing. For, for, well, for I mean that, that so stuff. Stuff like that. Money,
0: wow. Stuff like that is really important to me. Like when I did the progressive metal series, like it was really and like not a lot of people talk about this when they explore progressive metal in a documentary format. I went back to like the days of Plato and looked at philosophy and how much of an impact that had. On oh, progressive rock and progressive metal you know and, and that that's kind of the goal like the first if i pick a genre to look at like the most recent one i did was groove metal if you look at the origins of groove metal it looks at all the styles of music that contributed to groove metal before groove metal came out right so that's like with the with the origins of power metal i did a lot of focus on things like you know deep purple and rainbow and, and Ronnie james dio because Without those guys, without Richie Blackmore, without a lot of the work that those guys did, I don't think there would have been a power metal. No, you know, especially no, Dio. Not. You know,
1: no, absolutely not. Mm. No, that was that was super cool. Like the, the way you were, you were. I was, I was listening to it at the beginning, and I was like, okay, here we go, the basics. He's gonna mention Halloween, and, uh, but no, you went like back, 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 and then you recall running wild if you looked at noise records catalog yeah yeah the first running wild record was probably numbered three or four under catalog
2: yeah
1: and
0: yeah was it power metal it was metal but but it was the starting point of power metal i think i think so i mean a lot of the stuff that running wild does i mean you know now it's a separate genre of its own called pirate metal which is kind of silly but it's there but they were the first guys to do that like 20 30 years before the pirate metal guys started doing their stuff but they were also i mean the other you can also say the same thing about gravedigger as well There's certain elements of what gravedigger does that isn't necessarily power metal per se but it's unique to their sound um and and so that's what really appealed to me about running Wild. i needed to make sure that, that their influence in power metal is undisputed.
1: Two bands from Germany, one named Mania and the other one named Croming Rose. I've heard Mania. I've heard of Mania. Yeah. They published a record in between Walls of Jericho and uh, Keeper One.
2: Yeah.
1: I'll send you a link. It's it's power. It's German power metal, and they disappeared. They made one record, and that was it. And then oh, Croming Rose. Croming Rose made put out a record. In between Keeper 1 and Keeper 2 and full power metal
0: mm. funny stuff yeah a lot of that though. earlier power metal stuff like especially with the stuff that was kind of established with Halloween and, and Gamma Ray if you listen to a lot of their earlier stuff it wasn't really power metal really I mean it was kind you of know? speed metal it was like let's try and play a little faster a little bit more progressive and it was only much later on that it just kind of congealed into this style and feel.
1: Yeah, the melodies, the melodies. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's and awesome. the whole. I, I, I'm a big fan of power metal. I, I, you know, I think in America it doesn't get the respect it deserves. I think there's an over reliance on trying to be too dark and serious with heavy metal in in america whereas with power metal it's like these guys are just like i don't care i'm talking about sword and sorcery and fucking dragons and that's what we're doing that's what that's it that's what we're doing this is it's fun man let's let's enjoy this yeah so yeah i even went back to some of the old like german sing-along songs and pop and stuff those power metal episodes as well which you know i've included a clip of one of the german sing-along songs and i got a little a little bit of flack for that but it's like well what do you expect you know it all comes from somewhere we need to kind of acknowledge that it does so
1: yeah yeah, yeah one thing one thing connects with the other one i mean when i saw halloween doing their cover song record and covering some ava oh yeah i
0: thought yeah. it super logical Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. There's some things that just make sense in, in the, in you know, when it comes to doing covers for in, in heavy metal. So I just, I was just having to listen to the new Otep album the other day, um, and she does a version of Lords Royals on that album, which you just like looking at the album track listing like that doesn't make very much sense at all. But hearing her do it, it it makes a hell of a lot of sense. It just works out really well.
1: Yeah so, yeah, so it's like, I, I, I would if I ever have someone from Hammerfall in front of me, I will ask them why they've never covered Hummer to Fall from Queen. They've never done wow, it.
0: Wow, what a great idea. That would I be perfect for them too.
1: Yeah.
0: Or maybe awesome. they've thought about it and they've done it and they've just never released it or something.
1: <laughs> Those crazy stories.
0: Yeah, I'll send you a link of, of me
1: singing on on the band that i had here oh cool and then it's that i mean the 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 little heavy metal colombian story is a dark one that's just another thing but yeah i'll send you some stuff and you can, you can tell
0: me what you think yeah cool dude well felipe it's been a blast talking to you man but i really gotta jump offline here yeah man yeah, this this gives me a really good starting point um you know because you know I, I had a rough idea as, as to where i was going to go for the album cover but you know it just having some feedback from you is is really really helpful no i'm glad i mean
1: i as i told you i it's part a big part of my life and uh
0: and uh super
1: cool to to see that you had you had it like on your list and i think it's important to to acknowledge that metal has an image side
0: a visual side all right man take it easy awesome Have have a good night okay Same to you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks, Felipe, for the interview. Make sure you go to the show notes at heavymetal666.com and click on the link to see his phenomenal work. Now it's time for a prehistoric mosh. In 1972, an album was released by pop giant The Big O, otherwise known as Roy Orbison. While his music was influential to some rocker artists, the album called Memphis drew attention for another reason, the album cover art. An iconic design, it was the emergence of Drew Struzan, who had a talent for realism that would propel him into an incredible career. Continuing his work on covers, he would later also be credited in the creation of the iconic Bee Gees logo, which first appeared on the album Main Course in 1975. Much later, Struzan would later progress to be known and recognized for his iconic posters and cover art for movies such as with Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and the Back to the Future franchises. Before this, however, he would contribute greatly to the history of heavy metal by developing the iconic covers of Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice Cooper in 1975 and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath by Black Sabbath in 1973. The cover art for Sabbath Bloody Sabbath has become a fan favourite throughout metal history. The concept behind the artwork was to depict a man dying a horrible death on the front and on the back the same man dying a good death. It depicts a man on a bed ostensibly having a nightmare or a vision of being attacked by demons in human form. At the head of the bed is a large skull with elongated outstretched arms and 666 written below it. The combination of Sabbath's metallic sound and Struzan's harmonizing artwork made the record a smash success, propelling the band further into becoming the legends highly respected by metalheads to this day. From the classic release in 1973, here is Sabra Kadabra by Black Sabbath. Let's take a listen. have a look at this week in metal news at the time of this recording there is some confusion to the status of classic rocker tom petty's health recording on the day of october 2nd we have had reports that petty was hospitalized after being found not breathing following a cardiac arrest and was found to have zero brain activity The second report revealed that the musician had been put on life support, and a third report followed, reporting his death. Now, following a further report from the LAPD, it's been revealed that his death has not been confirmed, and that Petty is, quote, clinging to life. At this point, much confusion is present, but it has not stopped tributes pouring out from hard rockers and heavy metalers, appreciating how much of an influence Tom Petty has been on their work. Artists such as Poison, Living Colour, Sepultura, Kiss and more have posted online tributes and reactions to the reports of his death. He has been taken off life support at the request of his family based on a Do Not Resuscitate order. He is not expected to live through the day. At the time of recording, Tom Petty is 66 years old. On the same day of the reports of Tom Petty, the United States is grieving after the monstrous mass shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada, in which 64-year-old Stephen Paddock fired fully automatic weapons into a crowd of thousands attending a country music festival. At the time of recording, 58 people are confirmed dead and over 500 are injured. Artists from the heavy metal community, including David Coverdell, Stephen Piercy, Duff McKagan, Sebastian Bach, Devin Townsend, and Paul Stanley, and many more have posted their thoughts, reactions, and condolences throughout the day as details were revealed. Ghost have entered a new chapter in their career and story. In stunning and entertaining events during their final concert on their current tour, Papa Emeritus III was apparently abducted on stage by two beefy security guys close to the end of their set. Afterwards, an older Papa figure emerged to appear blind, dusty, and ancient, revealing himself to be Papa Emeritus Zero. The ancient Papa entered the stage needing an oxygen breathing apparatus. It is unclear whether Zero is going to be the next Papa, but most fans believe this is a transition to the revelation of Papa Emeritus 4 to coincide with Ghost's next full-length release, expected to drop in 2018. Marilyn Manson has been injured after footage revealed the artist to have been crushed by a stage prop at a New York City show. The concert was stopped mid-set when Manson was rushed to hospital. The artist has since cancelled nine shows on the current tour, but his manager publicized that Manson will return to the road stronger than ever. Former WASP and current Metal Church drummer Stet Howland has been diagnosed with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma otherwise known as DLBCL, an aggressive type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma that develops from the B-cells in the lymphatic system. Howland said in a statement, In layman's terms, it's essentially a form of cancer in my blood, and while it is a very aggressive form of cancer, it is also very treatable with an 80% cure rate. In my case, I'm one of the lucky ones, whom my doctors are confident of knocking this shit completely out of me. Stet Howland was announced to be the drummer for Metal Church in July of this year. MetalSucks.net have conducted an interview with criminal defense attorney Jeffrey Einhorn to examine some of the specifics of the current decapitated case in which the band have been accused of gang rape. Einhorn explained that the current charges the band members are facing is with regards to first-degree kidnapping, which is one of the highest degrees of felonies in Washington state. He went on to say further that this charge will primarily be used for extradition and does not limit further charges against the band. More updates are expected soon. Boston-based heavy music band Converge will release their first album in five years, The Dusk in Us, on November 3 via Epitaph and Deathwish. The group have also released the first single from the album, entitled Reptilian, which can be streamed at YouTube.com. As the ninth full-length from Converge, vocalist Jacob Bannon, guitarist Kurt Bilal, bassist Nate Newton and drummer Ben Collar, the Dusk in Us follows 2012's acclaimed All We Love We Leave Behind. Deathcore outfit Whitechapel are currently working on their seventh full-length release. With drummer Ben Harklerode out of the band, it's not clear who will take his place on the upcoming recording or even who will be stepping in on their upcoming tours. Despite this, guitarist Alex Wade posted on Instagram the new guitars he says he will be using in developing and writing the next album. Vinnie Vincent, former guitarist for KISS and for the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, has made his first official public appearance in nearly 20 years after it was announced he would be appearing at an upcoming KISS Expo. The appearance comes in a promo video for the Atlanta KISS Expo 2018 where Vinnie shows up at the end though concealing his face while talking. The promo is intended as a tease as Vinnie fans are very excited about the return of their favourite guitar player. More promos and teasers will undoubtedly follow. And finally, just for a bit of fun and for a bit of a laugh, Metalsucks.net recently stumbled across a video with Dave Grohl in which he reveals that he can do a dynamite Christopher Walken impression. Take a listen.
2: There was once when we did Saturday Night Live and Christopher Walken was the host Amazing. and he comes up and he's like, he said, he asked us if the accent was on foo or fighters For and them. we know who he is like of course we know how he speaks and we said uh the accent is on fighters actually so he, he goes how up. how did and, he ask you how did he ask you well, i'm not gonna say <laughs> that oh, it. It. because oh. he goes no because he goes up he's like ladies and gentlemen foo fighters <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I knew that's what happened. I was like, don't sit. Most people say Foo Fighters, but the way Christopher Walken says it, Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's okay. great. I've never heard you do that voice before. Oh, he was good. See, now I want you to tell me the story of how he asked you. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> no, he just came up and he's like, he just asked. He's like, so, so <laughs> the Damn. accent, is it on Foo? Or fighters? (laughs) And I said, I think it's on fighters. that's what I thought. Uh, I'm
0: sorry. All the links for the news articles can be found in the show notes over at heavymetal666.com. And if you find any news of interest to heavy metal historian, please share it with us at reddit.com slash r slash metal news. on the next heavy metal historian we close our journey through album art with another kind of episode in which we count down the top 20 iconic metal album covers of all time many will agree and many will not but we run through a discussion of some of the most iconic cover designs by some of the biggest bands in heavy metal subscribe to heavy metal historian at itunes or stitcher like us on facebook or follow us at metal podcast 666 on twitter and tumblr Send us a message at metalpodcast666 at gmail.com if there are subjects you'd like Heavy Metal Historian to investigate or recount, or if you have questions you'd like for us to answer on a future show. We'll catch you on the next Heavy Metal Historian, Hails and Horns. Until next time, though Pantera rose to success in the United States with Cowboys from Hell, it was their next album released in 1992 that smashed them through into international recognition. One group partly responsible for the development of Groove Metal, it was with vulgar display of power that solidified the sound and vibe of the subgenre. With the title, the outfit wanted an album cover that was indicative of a vulgar display of power. After they rejected an initial effort from their record label depicting a boxer on the cover, photographer and artist Brad Guise would ultimately develop the resulting iconic cover showing a man being punched in the face. Vinnie Paul would later assert that it took 31 punches, at 10 bucks a punch paid to the man on the cover, to get the perfect shot for the album cover. However, Guise has denounced this as no more than an urban myth where the man on the cover, named Sean Cross, was never actually hit. In spite of this, the cover art has lasted the test of time and has often been parodied using images of famous or infamous individuals being punched in the face, in the form of memes. On their tours, Pantera would play nearly every single song from the album with the exception of the closing song, Hollow, Rather than perform the earlier mellow and sobering first part of the song, the band would end up taking the heavier closing of the tune and make it a medley with the song Domination from Cowboys From Hell. From both Cowboys From Hell and Vulgar Display of Power, here is Pantera playing their Domination Hollow Medley, performed live at the Palladium in Hollywood, Los Angeles, from June 27,
2: 1992. Got your breath! You! Thank you very much. The next song is called Domination.
0: Heavy Metal Historian is a non-profit podcast produced and presented for educational purposes. All music and clips are copyright to their respective owners and are used in the podcast under fair use guidelines. No advertising is presented in the podcast or displayed at its home website, heavymetal666.com. If you hear this podcast and find it has advertising injected into it by a podcast service, please consider listening directly at heavymetal666.com. All items presented are done so out of love for the heavy metal genre. It is a show put together by a single metalhead for all metalheads everywhere. No money is made in the production of Heavy Metal Historian. Donations are also not accepted. Instead, we request you go out and buy some metal albums. Or even better, support unsigned metal bands at sites like Bandcamp.com or support your local music scene. It all starts in your hometown.